look, there's really no other way for me to say it. You're missing out. If you're not playing this, you're missing out. It's the free contests on the NBC Sports Predictor app. They've already handed out over $3 million in cash prizes, and there are tens of thousands more up for grabs this and every week. So get in on the action right now with the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet. For the biggest names in sports talk, watch the NBC Sports Channel every weekday on Peacock. Featuring pro football talk, the Dan Patrick Show, the Ritz Eisen Show, and more. Streaming live for free on PeacockTV.com slash NBC Sports. Welcome to the Football Morning in America mini podcast. This is Peter King. I've just finished my column. I'm sitting in a Baltimore hotel room. It is Monday morning about 4.10. And uh, as usual, I'm going to give you my take on the events of the week in the NFL. This is an interesting week in my column because I decided sort of at the last minute to come to the Ravens-Patriots game on Sunday night and write that as the top of my column. I don't normally just decide things at the last minute, but I did this week because I just had a feel that, hey, look, if the Patriots won, life goes on. Uh, Nothing is really that surprising about it. But if the Ravens won, hey, maybe we're seeing the dawn of a really good new team in the NFL. It's a two-and-a-half-hour train ride, so I said, let's go. So I went to the game, worked the locker room after the game, and what I'm going to do is I did something different. I have a sort of a couple-of-minute quick conversation with Mark Andrews, the tight end for the Ravens, who made a huge play in this game, uh, caught a big pass from quarterback Lamar Jackson, and I'll play that for you in a minute. But I, I wanted just to give you my, firstly, first, I wanted to give you my take on uh, this game. I'm going to read you the lead to my column in a moment. But I just had so much fun watching the Baltimore Ravens play football. They're just a different team. They do so many different things on offense. They're so multiple. And you'd think that the Patriots being able to have conquered any team so far, even though they've played a weak schedule. You'd have thought that the Patriots would have figured out some way to stop Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson didn't have a gigantic stat day. He didn't ruin the Patriots by by himself. But I'll tell you one thing. That guy is an exciting football player. Uh, He has great instincts. Uh, Charles Woodson tweeted out during the game uh, that his vision is the best there is, and I agree. He knows when to make moves. I just really was impressed with him. I'm impressed with him as a person, too, and I write a little bit about him in my piece. But before we start with that, before I read you that, I just wanted to tell you that that was really a fun night of football because it's just a different way to play. I've got great admiration for the the Ravens and their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, who keeps throwing more and more on their plate. Uh, I think this is a, this is a fascinating chemistry experiment. 
and every fan in the NFL is going to be the beneficiary as long as Lamar Jackson can stay healthy and stay productive as he is. But first, let's go to the play that I felt was the most important play in this game. It wasn't a touchdown. It wasn't a turnover. It wasn't anything like that. Uh, it's in the middle of the third quarter. Uh, the, the Ravens had a 17-0 lead early. The Patriots battled back. Middle of the third quarter, it's Baltimore 24, New England 20. It's about seven minutes left in the quarter. And the Ravens have a third and five from their own 24. And I can just tell you, this stadium was silent. They had totally lost their mojo. And the Ravens really needed to start to get the momentum back. And so I opened up by asking, uh, you know, by asking, you know, Mark Andrews, the tight end, basically that, look, after you make this play, I, I go into some stuff with him about how, you know, really, we didn't really know the Ravens. This is their first nationally televised game of the year. They hadn't had a primetime game. So I go into that a little bit with them. You'll hear it. And then I'll come out on the other side and read you the lead to my column from Baltimore's 37-20 victory over the Patriots. So, Mark, America really hadn't seen the Ravens all that much yet this year. And so in this game, here's what America sees. They see run-pass option. They see almost a wishbone a couple of times with a pitch from the quarterback to Mark Ingram. Uh, they see, you know, just regular run calls with the quarterback, which is rare in the NFL. Everything, there's so much of a wide variety. So what's it like to actually play in this offense knowing that it is so different from so many other offenses in the league? It's just so much fun. You know, first of all, it starts with Lamar. Um, having a special guy like that back there playing quarterback, you're able to do so much and um, kind of exploit defenses and take what they give you. And um, we have a lot of pieces around them. You know, our O-line, um, you know, a bunch of beasts, and then the guys around them um, really stepping up and making plays. So um, G-Row calls, you know, a, a great game. And, and um, you know, our offense is explosive. Like you said, we do so much, you know, whether it's, you know, running power or, you know, uh, wishbone type stuff or sweeps and, and then throwing the ball deep. It's it's hard for defenses to stop. And, um you know, it's been a lot of fun being able to play here. You just beat the New England Patriots by 17 points. That's got to feel good. Uh, it feels great. You know, obviously they're a, they're a great team. They're a great defense that we went against. Uh, it was a, it was a close game. Um, I don't think 17 points really gives that justice. But um, this is two good teams, two great teams going at it, and um, just fortunate that we came out with the win. And um, you know, we're looking forward to getting better from this game and, and moving on to the next game. Congrats, Mark. Thank you. I appreciate you. My thanks to uh, Mark Andrews for taking the time. He was actually, I was late because I was talking to John Harbaugh after the game at some length, and I was late getting to him. So the PR guy kind of rushed in and says, hey, Mark's going to go. you got to come and get him now. So I hustled in there, and I got him, and, and I appreciate him uh, hanging out to, to do this. Anyway, I'm going to get to the lead to my column. Uh, tell you a couple other things that are in the column this week, and then I'm going to give you a comment. Look, you guys had great reaction last week uh, to my column when I 
wrote about or when I when I talked about every game in the NFL. So I'm going to give you a short paragraph the same way this week. I'm going to give you a short paragraph on every game. But let me get to my column first, uh, and then we'll get to all the games around the league. Dateline, Baltimore. So, in two hours and 59 minutes Sunday night, the landscape of the NFL changed. No longer is there one team on Mount Olympus, and then eight or ten teams clawing to get in New England's league. Lamar Jackson saw to that on a revelatory night of football in downtown Baltimore. Revelatory is not an exaggerated word. The Ravens ran out of a pistol formation twice Sunday night. They surrounded Jackson with sidecar tight ends at least seven times. They completed a jet sweep toss pass for 26 yards. They ran three run pass options with Jackson keeping each time. They ran standard power runs with Mark Ingram, and they ran design runs for Jackson, and he ran a read option for a touchdown that left Jamie Collins in the dust. And Jackson scrambled when pressured several times using great peripheral vision, most notably on a late third-quarter 11-yard run when he juked Pat's linebacker Kyle Van Noy into Delaware setting up an insurance touchdown. That one called, caused Charles Woodson, future Hall of Famer, to tweet, Lamar Jackson vision, once he tucks to run, is second to none. New England entered Sunday night 8-0, allowing a league low 7.6 points and 12.9 first downs per game. They exited 8-1, allowing 37 points and 26 first downs. Now, the Baltimore victory wasn't a shock. The Baltimore offensive explosion and drives of 11, 11, 14, and 14 plays against the Patriots. Now, that was a shock felt all over the league. The Ravens showed you could run on the Patriots and pass on the Patriots and not get flummoxed by the Patriots. Baltimore 37, New England 20. But what would you say if I told you there was a time midway through the third quarter, the Ravens hanging on to a four-point lead, backed up on third and five, when the rocking stadium had become Sistine Chapel quiet, awaiting the inevitable New England onslaught? Tension on the Ravens' bench. Tension in the stands. But apparently, no tension in the huddle. Big situation, Mark Andrews said, the tight end. We don't get that. We got to punt it back to Tom Brady. Not good. But we were calm in the huddle. That starts with Lamar. He was cool right then. Nine weeks down, eight weeks to go in pro football's 100th season. One unbeaten team, San Francisco 8-0, left. Two one-loss teams, 8-1 New England, 7-1 New Orleans, left. And seven other teams with six or seven wins. The league is careening toward a fascinating playoff season that could see Brady Jackson or Brady Mahomes or maybe even Brady Garoppolo or Brady Breeze or even Brady Rogers. But Sunday night that showed that Sunday night showed 
that so many other matchups could ultimately make the postseason almost as fun as Brady going for his seventh, and maybe last, Super Bowl in New England. How about a final four of youth shall be served? Baltimore, Kansas City, and San Francisco, Seattle in the championship games. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Russell Wilson. Also, Deshaun Watson would like a word. Don't forget AFC South leading Houston, still in the fight for a first-round bye. Point is, any of these matchups would be great. The forecast for January is sunny, with 100% chance of fun, with or without the almighty Patriots. Baltimore, with consecutive wins over Seattle by 14, and New England has wedged its way into the discussion of teams that can play deep into January. You had to respect what the Ravens did in Seattle. But starting this game with 72-54 and 72-yard scoring drives and going up 17-0 on New England, I mean, no team had scored 17 on the Patriots this year. Baltimore did it in 16 minutes. But all the way through the second quarter and halfway into the third, you got the feeling that the Patriots coming back was inevitable. They're not as new and shiny, obviously, as Baltimore, but they've been here, overcome that. A muffed Baltimore punt turned into one touchdown. A lost Ingram fumble turned into a field goal. An aborted Baltimore drive turned into another field goal, and it was 17-13 at the half. If not for Marlon Humphrey running 70 yards with a Julian Edelman fumble on the first series of the third quarter, New England would have gone ahead then. But the euphoria from that TD was short-lived because the Patriots rammed it down the Ravens' throats with a 75-yard drive to make it Baltimore 24, New England 20, midway through the third. Now for the third and five in the Sistine Chapel. New England didn't live by the blitz in this game. By PFF's count, the Patriots blitzed eight times on 27 Jackson dropbacks. But New England was coming here. You could see they were going to play zero, Andrews told me. That's the defense playing man on each, recer- each receiver one-on-one with no safety help for anyone over the top. Now Jackson saw it too. We've been seeing it all week, he said after the game. And Coach Roman, meaning offensive coordinator Greg Roman, has been drilling it in my head. The Patriots sent six, covering four receivers one-on-one with a cornerback, Jonathan Jones, lurking around the middle linebacker spot to spy Jackson in case he took off. From wide left, Andrews ran a corner route, and he got a step on backup safety Terrence Brooks. Andrews, 6'5", has six inches on Brooks. I just had to deliver the ball, Jackson said. He threw high, but Andrews went up and got it, maybe six inches out of Brooks's reach. Gain of 18, first down. Then it went Ravens touchdown, Brady interception, Ravens touchdown, ball game. That play really kind of gave us a spark, Andrews said in the back of the Ravens' locker room. The adulation was elsewhere, with Jackson, Ingram, Earl Thomas, and other heroes of the night. Rightfully so. 
But this play, Jackson to Andrews, was the play of the night for Baltimore. It kept the chains moving toward an insurance touchdown, and New England was done. He should have gotten the game ball for that in the team meeting, Coach John Harbaugh said. I forgot. Andrews will have other chances. This is an equal opportunity offense. Four rushers gain yards on the ground. Ten receivers were targeted. The offense is just so multidimensional, so different from the NFL standard, even in this day of filling the air with footballs. It's fun. You sit there and think, what is coming next? It all starts with Lamar. Lamar runs the show, said Earl Thomas. You better be in great shape when you play us because Lamar's going to wear you down mentally and physically. A while after the game, I found Jackson in the back of the locker room. As those who know him tell it, he's just a happy kid, respectful, with a strong work ethic, and he doesn't get cowed by the spotlight. He respects Tom Brady, but said adamantly that he never thought, man, I'm playing Brady tonight. We chatted a bit, and as I prepared to leave, I said to him, you're fun to watch. Jackson said, appreciate that, Mr. Peter. So, where are the Ravens now? Built to last, I think. Last year, the Ravens won six of their last seven to take the AFC North, then traded Joe Flacco, and standout GM Ozzie Newsom retired. They let four major defensive pieces go. They changed on the fly, and now they stand 6-2 and two in the North with a two-game lead and eight to play. The Ravens are progressive in management and coaching. Harbaugh has embraced analytics. General Manager Eric DaCosta for years has studied how roster building can benefit from advanced statistical study. Neither allows temporary failures to deter them from non-traditional thinking. Plus, no team has used compensatory picks in the draft better than Baltimore recently. In the last 10 drafts, Baltimore has a league-high 83 picks in rounds 1 through 6. <clears throat> Baltimore's been, been consistently cool about letting big-money free agents walk when it's their time and using the resulting compensatory picks as part of their replenishment program. In the last 10 drafts, seven Ravens comp picks in rounds 4, 5, and 6 have become regular starters. It's also allowed this collection of picks. Baltimore to spend a fifth-round pick for 10 games of Marcus Peters this year, and they still consider that a bargain. So, no one in the locker room on Sunday night was ready to anoint Baltimore as the team to beat, and lots can happen in two months. But this is a strong offensive team that should be able to make up for some defensive blips. Now for New England. I wouldn't worry too much about a 17-point loss to an ascending team in early November. This will allow Bill Belichick to acerbically refocus his team, as he does every year. History should be your judge if you're either, either a Patriots fan and totally bummed out this morning, or you're a Patriots hater, dancing on their grave. History says in each of their six Super Bowl years, they had bad days. Look at their pratfalls in six super seasons. 
2001, lost to Miami 30 to 10. 2003, lost to Buffalo 31 nothing. 2004, lost to Pittsburgh 24 to 10. 2014, lost to Kansas City 41 to 14. That of course was followed by the famous "We're on to Cincinnati" press conference by Bill Belichick. 2016 lost to Buffalo 16 nothing. 2018 lost to Tennessee 34 to 10. Now the last thing Jackson said to the small circle of us stuck with me. It's almost Belichickian, and it's going to hold Jackson in good form for a while if he remembers it, said Jackson. I really don't care about the person I'm playing against. I don't care if it's a primetime game or I'm playing at 1 o'clock. I'm just trying to win at the end of the day. Then he congratulated a few mates. He put on a pink knit cap and went out into the night. King of the city. Also in my column, I have a preview of the second half of the season. Um, I have some funny stories on what could happen with uh, television in the second half of the season. A couple of interesting things, particularly as it stands uh, on a an odd triple header on Saturday of Week 16. You'll enjoy that if you're a schedule nerd like me. Um, I focused on uh, the five best games the rest of the year. Um, and I think a tremendous game, even though Green Bay lost uh, in uh, Los Angeles on Sunday, I think Green Bay and San Francisco on November 24 is going to be an absolute treat. Looking forward to that. Um, then I have a section of my column on Aaron Jones, the Green Bay running back. Talked to him the other day. Uh, they didn't have a good day, obviously. Uh, then I talked about the compelling coaches that we'll all be talking about after this season. And uh, I gave out my players of the week. Uh, Russell Wilson and Carlos Hyde are the offensive players of the week. T.J. Watt of the Steelers, defensive player. Uh, and you can read my awards in the column. My go to the week this week, I had two of them. Adam Vinatieri. Uh, you know, it's it's really sad to see Vinatieri become a borderline liability. In eight games, he's now missed five extra points. And uh, he had a straightaway 43-yard field goal uh, that would have put the Colts ahead. Uh, and uh, so... You know, I, I feel for Vinatieri. He's 46 years old, but um, uh, I, I think he deserved to wear the goat horns this week. My profile this week is on Sean McVay. Uh, my numbers game. Look, I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying that the the Browns are done. I don't think necessarily. I mean, they're not going to go to the playoffs this year, but. Um, the difference between the last half of last season with Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield and the first half of this season with Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield is stark. Quarterback rating in the last six games last year, Kitchens and Mayfield, 106.2. 
quarterback rating in the first eight games this year, 71.3. Um, so I'm going to go over a few uh, the rest of the games right now and just give you a few thoughts, um, and then we, we will end with my adieu haiku. Um, so I, I want to start uh, out in Seattle where I believe that uh, Russell Wilson – with a five-touchdown, no-interception game, uh, staked a very strong case uh, for the MVP award. In fact, I say in my column that I think right now, if I had to guess, it would be Russell Wilson, one, Lamar Jackson, two, uh, and uh, let me see, who did I have third? Um, I'll think of it in a second, but I had Russell Wilson, one, Lamar Jackson, two, um, I think right now that Seattle, which really struggled to beat Tampa Bay 40-34, to 34, um, I think they're a good team, but I just have real concerns about that secondary. Um, and I think that'll end up really bothering them down the stretch. Oakland 31, Detroit 24. Um, I mean, first of all, it was the first game in Oakland in 43 days. Um. You know, the Raiders are a nice team, really a nice team. Um, and I really like the fact that they're go swimming upstream. And John Gruden is saying, hey, listen, I am going to ride Josh Jacobs as far as I can. 28 carries, uh, most in his career at any level of college or pro football. Isn't it crazy? Josh Jacobs had one game of 20 or more carries at Oklahoma in, or at uh, Alabama in his life. Just nutsy. Uh, nutty, rather. Um, so uh, Jacobs with 120 rushing yards, two touchdowns, um, a big day for him. And, hey, I think the Raiders-Chargers game on Thursday night is going to be very interesting. The last game that the Raiders and Chargers – uh, will ever play at the Oakland Coliseum, by the way. Um, let's go now to um, Cleveland and Denver. Denver won that game 24 to 10. Look, or 24 to 19, 24 to 19. Great for Brandon Allen. Um, you know, a kid who has been on a bench forever uh, to get an NFL win. Utterly fantastic. Completed 60% of his throws. 193 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, and as far as the the Browns go, it's just another pedestrian day for an offense that is supposed to be so much better. I mean, when is Odell Beckham Jr. going to take over a game? I mean, we are in November, and we have not seen Beckham have a great game. Uh, the Chargers beat Green Bay 26-11. to and look, I'm a, I'm a big uh, fan of not making too big a deal over any one game. Uh, so I'm not going to make a big deal over this. The Packers had been playing exceedingly well. They just had a bad uh, offensive day. And so I, I, you give credit to a very strong Charger defense. Uh, Melvin Ingram, uh, the little bit that I saw was – Terrific. Joey Bosa, I saw him make a big sack. So, uh, you know, give credit to the Chargers. But 
they have to, if they want to salvage their season, uh, they're going to have to win Thursday night at, uh, at Oakland. Uh, the Chiefs, in a surprise, beat Minnesota 26-23. Now, good for the Chiefs. Um, they did the right thing in waiting on Patrick Mahomes and not hurrying him back into action. Um, and, you know, you have to hand it to, to Matt Moore, who a month ago was coaching high school football. Um, and, you know, good for him. He got a win, and uh, there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of missing pieces for the Chiefs. I wrote about in my column that, you know, no Frank Clark, no Eric Fisher, obviously no Mahomes. So this is a really, really good win uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the Steelers beat the Colts 26-24 to in what I thought was um, a bizarrely officiated game down the stretch. At one point in a 20-second span, Mike Tomlin threw the red challenge flag twice and lost both challenges on pass interference-related calls. So it was a crazy game. Colts play with fire too much, and now, uh, obviously, uh, they've got uh, an injury to their most important player right now, and that's Jacoby Brissett. So it was kind of a come-see-come-saw game for Brian Hoyer, the backup, uh, but that's to be expected for a guy who very rarely plays. Philadelphia 22, Chicago 14. You know, you're tempted just to absolutely kill Mitchell Trubisky because he was just awful in the first half, and he played okay in the second half. Um, but in all, he, just, he still only completed... 10 balls and uh, you know I just think it's time they've got for his own sake really in my opinion they have got to bench Mitchell Trubisky uh, you know at least for the time being and allow Chase Daniel to uh, allow Trubisky just to get a breath and to get away Houston 26 Jacksonville 3 now I remember Deshaun Watson was my third MVP candidate um he was really good again on Sunday. And the interesting thing about this game, Jacksonville views London. Excuse me, I had to get a drink of water. Jacksonville views London as part of its home turf. And so I think Jacksonville really wanted uh, to show well over there. They get swamped by 23. And Gardner Minshew picked a bad game for his worst game because it looks like Nick Foles is going to come back in the next week or two. Uh, and uh, I think that Doug Marone is likely going to give him the job back. Buffalo 24, Washington 9. Not a tour de force offensive game for Buffalo and certainly not one for Washington. Washington has scored 0, 9, and 9 points in the last three weeks. Uh, a mediocre performance. Uh, by Dwayne Haskins in his first NFL start. Um, and, look, the Bills, somehow they're 6-2, and two, and they are hanging in there, so it's very interesting. Carolina 30, Tennessee 20. You know, Christian McCaffrey, I think, continues to show he's the best all-around back in football. He had a wonderful day here in uh, 
uh, you know, against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and he allowed Kyle Allen to win another game when it looks more and more like Cam Newton uh, could miss the rest of the year with his Liz Frank injury on his foot. Uh, Tennessee, I think, is is uh, is going to have to make some major changes starting at quarterback. This is not a good day for uh, for the Titans. Speaking of not a good day, the New York Jets lost a previously winless Miami, twenty six to eighteen. Some bizarre plays in this game for the New York Jets. Uh, there was a safety. Uh, that uh, the Jets surrendered when uh, Sam Darnold was not looking for the football when it was snapped to him in the end zone, near the end zone. Uh, and he, he also threw a bizarre side-armed, uh, let me just get rid of this ball interception that, look, Sam Darnold is going backwards. There's no doubt about it. As far as Miami goes, I'll tell you, watching the highlights of this game, Ryan Fitzpatrick played very well. He throws a sweet, long spiral. Uh, so Miami definitely deserved to win that game. So that's it for the Peter King podcast. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the Peter King podcast. Um, that's it for the FMIA mini pod. These mini pods, by the way, keep getting longer. This one is probably going to be about 32 minutes, so I'm sorry for that. I really am. I know you just wanted to get a little snippet from me, so I'll be more economical in the future. Now, here's my adieu haiku. Baltimore Ravens, they're real, and they just might be spectacular. That's your FMA, FMIA mini pod for week nine in the National Football League. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, send any feedback to Peter underscore King on Twitter. That's at Peter underscore King or Peter King FMIA at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. 